0: Live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's the Zach Ballinger Show, where we help you find your direction through passion and purpose. My name is Zach Ballinger. I'm your host. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Today marks another episode to our career library. As you guys know, we're building this library with informal interviews for you guys to learn about careers across North America to discover something that you would like to actually do with your career. Two ways you can engage the show. YouTube, we are streaming live. So if you've got any questions for me and my guests, pop them into the comment box. We'll make sure to get to them. Always before any episode, Zach at ZachBallinger.com. Email me with those questions. Without further ado, Dr. Dayon, thank you so much for joining the show today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm looking
0: forward to our conversation. I look forward to it too. Can you tell us about your career?
1: So, I'm a neurologist, I'm a board certified neurologist, and I'm also an
0: epileptologist, which means that I, I further subspecialized in seizures and epilepsy. Wow. And what got you into medicine?
1: So I think for, for a lot of people the things uh, that triggers your passion tends to be something personal. And for me it was when I was younger, I had a uh, a cousin who had epilepsy and she ended up growing out of it. But then also as I got into my teen years, my grandmother developed Alzheimer's disease. And as difficult as that was to see somebody deteriorating before your very eyes, it also made me really appreciate the beauty of the brain and how when the brain is working really well how everything falls into place. And so that's really what started my passion. That's
0: awesome. A wonderful story. Now, um, tell us about what you like about your job. What do you love about it?
1: Yeah, so for me, it is that when somebody has a neurological disease, it impacts every aspect of their life. So it's not like, you know, high blood pressure where, you know, you may not even feel it until sort of the high blood pressure Uh, starts causing damage to your organs. Neurological diseases impact the way that you feel. Um, They impact your emotions, your cognitive states, your ability to think. They even impact your, your physical well-being. And so when I'm working with people, I really get a chance to significantly improve every aspect of their life by taking care of some of the symptoms that they have, by taking care of the neurological diseases that are affecting them.
0: Wow. That, that's so cool. And now, you know, I probably know the answer to this, but I'll go ahead and ask you anyway, what's some of the challenges to your job? You know, that somebody may think, well, I want to be a doctor, but they really need to know the difficulties of being a neurologist.
1: Yeah, I think the, the most difficult thing is when you see somebody that maybe you feel like you can't help, that you can't significantly improve their lives. Because sometimes neurological diseases can have a really poor prognosis. Right? Or, or somebody can just be deteriorating as their brain or spinal cord um, starts to deteriorate. So that can be really, really difficult. And so for me, I'm, I'm really lucky because as I've gone through my career, as I've learned more about the brain, um, I really implement the fact that our brains are constantly changing, constantly evolving, and it's doing so with every thought that we have, everything that we do physically. And so I'm able to teach my patients that and that the thoughts that they have are just as important as the treatments that we decide to come up with to help them.
0: Your journey, and I've never asked this before, but I've been blessed to have many doctors that come on the show from different specialties and just share their journey. But you know, you have a long road ahead of you when you, after you graduate uh, college, audience is well aware of that. A lot of them aspire to be medical doctors. How do you know, I get this question from college kids a lot. How do I know if I'm smart enough to do it?
1: So that's, that's a really great question, right? Because a lot of the process to getting into medical school is weeding out people. And so, you know, you don't have to be great at organic chemistry or biochemistry. And in fact, a lot of what makes people really amazing doctors is the fact that they can connect to people really well. Um, that they empathize with people really well. And so when I'm looking at the CVs or the resumes of doctors that I may be hiring or nurse practitioners that I might be hiring, you know, everybody tends to have the same qualifications, right? They took the same test. They all are doing research. And for me, what stands out most um, are things that have nothing to do with medicine or science, right? So once I was looking at the CV of, um, of a potential doctor that we are going to hire and in it it said something like uh, she played piano for the lion king musical and i was just like oh my god that's (laughs) that is amazing right and that tells me so much about her it tells me she's able to retain a lot of information right she's good under pressure um that she works incredibly well in a team and so those things Are equally, if not more important than, than whether you're good at biochemistry. And frankly, as a neurologist, I'll tell you that everybody is smart enough to do whatever they want. You just really have to believe in yourself, right? So taking a test doesn't really determine just how smart you are.
0: And that's coming from a brain doctor guys. So, um, should tell you a lot. So now let's talk about you know, for, for my audience, a lot of them might aspire to be a neurologist. What does that look like? Can you, I, we've, we've laid it out here before, but I think it's really important. Tell us about the educational credentials and certifications that you have to have to even get in this field. Sure. So, so you've got
1: to go to college and complete college, right? You don't necessarily need to major in the sciences, but there is a minimum uh, science criteria that you need to fulfill. Um, And then after that, you've got to take your MCATs, which is a standardized test that all um, potential medical students take. Um, After you do that, you apply for various medical schools. And once you're in medical school, they're basically telling you what you need to study for the next four years. I often say that, you know, one of the, uh, the not so great things about going into medicine is that you can actually go your entire career without having to do much thinking for yourself. Because the path is sort of laid out, right? And so that that's a scary thing to, to think, right? Because they'll tell you in medical school what you need to study. They'll tell you what clerkships you need to do. So uh, in your third and fourth year, following certain doctors in the hospital, following certain specialties on their rounds so that way you're, you're sort of learning in that atmosphere. Um, and then once you decide what specialty you want to go to, then it's applying for that specialty. Um, and when you apply to be... Uh, for residency in neurology, you also have to do an intern year. So you've got to do a full year of internal medicine, um, which is, you know, high blood pressure, obesity, diabetes, high cholesterol, heart disease, um, and treating those patients both in the hospital as well as in the clinic. And then once you complete that year, then you do another three years of residency. So just specializing in neurology. And if you decide to, after you complete that, you can further subspecialize in one of the uh subspecialties of neurology. So like epilepsy like I did, stroke, multiple sclerosis, dementia. Um, and then after that, you that's when you start uh your real job.
0: <laughs> did you have to do a fellowship for your subspecialties that you you went into?
1: Yeah, so I did a fellowship at uh New York Presbyterian Cornell. Um and uh it was called clinical neurophysiology, which is basically uh about training to read all the different uh waves and electrical activity that your brain gives off, your spinal cord gives off, the nerves give off, and that translates very easily into epilepsy.
0: One of the things medical school and residency does from my vantage point, just me being out in the this field, it's one of the most amazing things because we in career coaching, we encourage people to do this and not a lot of people do it But in medical school and resident, you don't have any choice. You have to rotate with particular doctors so you get to see if you actually like that particular field and if you want to go into it. And I think more and more we need to kind of replicate that in different areas where you, like you said, they tell you what to study. They tell you where you're going to go. You're going to rotate with these type of doctors and you almost kind of fall into it. Um, even though you had that passion a little bit about, you know, you were talking about your family members, I hear so many doctors say, well, it was in medical school when I figured out that I wanted to be an ophthalmologist or it was, a, you know, I wanted to be a rheumatologist, whatever it might be. So I think it's a very unique experience that really helps you transition because I'll have a lot of students say, well, how do I know? You know, I said, let's just get to medical school first. If your passion's medicine, you're going to find it. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think that mentorship, that clerkship is so crucial. And even though we do a pretty good job of it in medicine, I would say we need to do it more. So instead of spending two years just studying in the books, you need more exposure to doctors and to patients uh, earlier on, right? But that that's when you get really inspired, when you start working with people um, that you can truly uh, help, when you see how other doctors are working, where you get to see what the lifestyle is like, if that lifestyle fits you. I mean, I I always was leaning towards neurology, but I remember in my clerkship, there was a resident uh, who had been a doctor in his country, and he came here and had to sort of start over and do residency again, but he was absolutely brilliant, so brilliant that the attendings in neurology as well as in neurosurgery would come to him for advice, and I was just in awe, and I was literally like, I want to be that guy. (laughs) you know, so you definitely get inspired uh, through the clerkships and mentorships that you receive.
0: So awesome. Let's say, you know, there was somebody that is interested in being a neurologist. They were following you around for a day. I know this is a challenging question because as professionals, each day looks different, but let's say a typical day. What does that look like from morning until they finish with you?
1: Yeah. So that would look like uh, probably arriving at the hospital around 730 in the morning. Um, seeing uh, the people that have been hospitalized that you've been taking care of for the last few days, as well as anybody that came overnight. And so you can be seeing, you know, 20 plus patients in the hospital with various neurological diseases from uh, strokes to epilepsy to multiple sclerosis, uh, Parkinson's disease, maybe it's somebody who just came in with a really bad headache. Sometimes it's things like brain tumors. Um, you're reading, in my case, you're reading EEG, so you're reading the electrical activity in the brain uh, to determine if somebody has a seizure, where, what part of the brain it's coming from, um, how best to go about treating that. You know, sometimes you're doing brain death exams or examining people for brain death. Um, and then when you're done rounding in the hospitals, then typically you'll be seeing patients in your office, so you'll, you'll spend the afternoon seeing patients in your office. And if you are, if that's all you have to do for the day, you're kind of done around four or five, right? But if you're on call, it could be a pretty long night.
0: (laughs) Yeah, guys, doctors don't work um, part-time. They work a lot of hours and you're definitely, you're passionate about it when you go into it. But I know most of the doctors I know, they they work a full day. And when I say full, I'm not talking just an eight to five. Uh, Usually it's a lot, outside of those hours. So I'm glad you pointed that out because people do need to know that um, it, it, it is taxing. Sometimes I think too, for you guys you know, to be on call and people have to realize that that's, that's a lifestyle change for some people.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's physically and emotionally exhausting. Right. So you've got to make sure you're, that you're taking really good care of yourself, that you're spending enough time with your family, your friends, that you're, you're still doing the things that you love to do outside of medicine.
0: Dr. Dayon, let's take you back on a time machine. Let's take you back to fourth, fifth, third grade, somewhere around there. Was there a career as a kid you always dreamed about being or doing?
1: So it's funny because when I was in third grade, and you know you've got those career days, I remember taking one of my dad's white button down shirts, which to me was almost like a white coat, and taking it to school with me for career day as a doctor. Wow. But, but you know, as as I was sort of growing up, there were times I wanted to be a marine biologist until I figured out I didn't really want to go swimming with whales and sharks. <laughs> um, you know, so, yeah, there were other things that I wanted to do. Obviously, be an athlete. I grew up playing and competing in tennis. So I wanted to do that for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, being a doctor was always sort of near and dear to my heart.
0: It's so cool because, you know, I was just talking to a guest about this. Sometimes we can look back in the rear view mirror, we think, You know what are we good at? What are we passionate about? We don't understand what it might be for other people out there when it's really been in your mirror the whole time. And a lot of people that go through career coaching, if you can kind of shine a light on what some of their dreams were when they were little, they're like, oh yeah, I did like science. Okay. Yeah. I did want to do this. I did want to be a nurse at one time, whatever it might be. I think that's why I asked that question because um, again, yours is kind of aligning with that, that scientific pathway, if you will. So what have you got going behind the scenes? I've learned about this course that you're doing. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, about it? Seems pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. So I've got this online course called Take Charge of Your Brain, where I help people get healthier and really create the lives that they want. You know, I mentioned before that our brains are constantly evolving. And if you really want to... Um, just create an amazing life for yourself, you've got to figure out how to use your brain instead of letting your brain use you. And so that's what I help people do. Um, I teach them the importance of having a mission, vision, and purpose, and then how that influences their neurological destiny, so how their brains evolve. I teach them about the things that impact the evolution of their brains every single day, whether it's preventable chronic diseases, exercise, the way that we eat, um, I teach them about being the leader that their brain so desperately needs them to be. And then I teach them really about how to be, how to create their own sort of prescription plan uh, in order to get healthier and create the life that they want for themselves. So so the course is really about transforming their lives. So they really get to live this extraordinary life.
0: And so let's say you're out there, what would be the perfect individual uh, that needed to take this course? Like, you know, somebody's out there having a problem, is it more for that? Or is it for the general public? Or how would you describe it?
1: Yeah, so I specifically have been working with people who've got medical and neurological disorders. Um, You know, that's sort of where my expertise is. Although a lot of people who don't have those disorders are like, we want to take the course and they benefited too. (laughs) But but
0: that's who I've been working with. And uh, how long is the course for? Just in case somebody's interested out there?
1: Yeah, so you can actually do each module of the course weekly, uh, and there are four modules. Um, So you could, in theory, do it in 30 days, uh, but people have access to the full course for one year.
0: Wow, that's cool. Now, where can people find this, and where can they find you or Connect?
1: Yeah, so they can find the course on on my website, uh, which is www.inleybrainfitinstitute.com. So I-N-L-E-B-R-A-I-N-F-I-T institute.com. They can find me on uh, Instagram at philippe.md. They can find me on LinkedIn at md or Facebook. Uh, It's the same. Or they can email me at philippe.md at gmail.com.
0: I had a college student out there who just the other day who asked me, um, He wanted to be a neurologist and he was looking to meet with someone. Isn't that nice? If you guys are out there listening, what Dr. Deon just offered is, you know, is Instagram. How many doctors are willing to do that? That's so cool. So, you know, if you're out there, follow him on that. If you're interested in the course, hit him up. Um, and and we'll make sure to link to the the website in the notes as well for you guys. Um, we did have a couple of questions that did come in Dr. Dayon, and I was going to have you try to answer them as they came in. So one person says, do you do surgery? So
1: as an epilepsy uh, specialist, there are times when I'm in the surgery, um, I'm not doing the one cutting, but what I'm doing is letting the surgeons know where it'll be safe for them to cut. which parts of the brain are safe for them to take out um, when somebody has epilepsy, because the goal is to take out the part of the brain that is potentially causing these seizures. But obviously, you don't want to take out any part of the brain that's going to cause any neurological issues or cognitive issues for the person. Uh,
0: Somebody asked, is the course good for somebody that is having a hard time with sleep disorders?
1: So, yeah, so the course is good for anybody who's having any neurological disorders, and sleep is a neurological disorder. I mean, you get to figure out um, the kinds of things that are having a negative impact on your sleep, uh, the things that you can do to ameliorate that. And you also get to learn why sleep is so important for all of us. And, in fact, the studies are now showing that if you're not getting enough sleep in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, you're at increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease in your 70s, 80s, and 90s.
0: And that's something that I need to work on um, for sure. And so I, I may have to look into that. You know, it. it I, I recommend it, too, for the people getting uh, going for job interviews to get a good night's sleep. We always say that because you think better. I mean, you're, you're the brain expert. Would you agree with that? If you have a, the optimal amount of sleep, if you have little sleep, your thinking gets impaired a little bit, right? Uh, you know,
1: the reality is that your brain is constantly working and it's building up toxins as a byproduct of that work. And when you sleep it helps your brain clear those toxins away so if you're not getting enough sleep especially into the deeper stages of sleep that that's not happening right those toxins are still going to be there building up and so when you wake up you're going to be groggy you're not going to be able to think well um so sleep is incredibly important and it puts you at risk for alzheimer's disease down the line
0: gotcha well this has been so helpful um very educational Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, We know you're busy. You're seeing patients. My goodness, you've laid out your schedule and half of America couldn't keep up with that. So just thank you for giving back and being a part of our career library. I think it's going to be so helpful going forward to the students and people that are out there listening. And if you guys are out there and you're interested in the course, check it out. Uh, One more time, Dr. Dayon, could you give the the website again and just we're going to link it in, but I just wanted for them to hear it if they're in case they're just listening.
1: Sure. It's www.inlebrainfitinstitute.com.
0: Thank you so much uh, for your willingness to come on and uh, thank you for sharing. Thank you for having me. Yep. All right, guys. Well, until then, take care. This was the Zach Ballinger Show.